We're putting humanistic evolution to the test here today on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As Christians, we believe and receive that by faith. But is there also evidence to back that up? Let's talk about it today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is in the early stages of a new study in Genesis where we're learning how everything came to be. Some claim there was some sort of explosion causing order. But the Bible says something entirely different. Let's compare the two right now. Take your Bibles, open them again, would you, to Genesis chapter 1, as we continue on our verse-by-verse study, just taking our time through the book of Genesis. Today, our Bible study is entitled, Putting Humanistic Evolution to the Test. And as we're studying through Genesis, we we don't want to forget and get lost in, in all the complexities that surround the study of Genesis. We don't want to get lost in them uh, and not understanding that we're reading of God's divine revelation of our origins and where everything began, that He is the Creator and we owe our life to Him. But we do understand in our culture that Genesis intersects with alternative theories, with a theology of humanism, uh, where God has been replaced by making everything focused upon man and the goodness of man and everything is okay with man and there's no need for God. And so humanistic scientists will come and attack the very first verse of Genesis. We learned last time, even in verse 1, it's so filled with meaning where it tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This was given to us, all of chapter 1, really all of the Bible, but in particular the origins, was given to us by revelation. The reason we know that is because you weren't there, Moses wasn't there, but God was there. And God would know exactly what happened. And as he reveals it to Moses for us, he puts the central focus of the Bible not on man, but on God. That's a great way to live your life. The central focus of your life is your accountability to your creator. Not you, but him. And so humanistic scientists will come and attack this. They have to in order to dismiss the rest of the Bible. And, you know, the popular theory of today uh, goes by a lot of different names. The big, they, they look to the Big Bang. They look to Darwinianism and humanistic evolution. On and on the list goes. But there's really no evidence for an ex- to support an explosion causing order. I mean, even common sense would look at something that, that an explosion causes more chaos, not more order. But the truth is, science knows nothing of origins. Science knows nothing of origins because on- true science can only test how things work, but cannot determine how things began. And so we learned last time Moses, the author of Genesis, received the book of Genesis, not by reasoning, but through divine revelation. 
And what a powerful verse in the beginning. In the beginning, God. It just says what it says. In the beginning, God. And all of us are put to the test of whether we'll believe this in our lives or not. He himself, you could say, in the beginning, he himself created the heavens and the earth. And we learned that this one verse refutes the atheist and the agnostic and the polytheist and the pantheist, the materialist, the fatalist. All these theories that are popular today, one verse wipes them out and brings them to a place of having to subject their belief system to the simplicity of the true narrative of creation. Now Moses, we know, didn't write Genesis according to the theories of the day. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 7 that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. You could say the equivalent today would that he would have multiple PhDs. He would be a highly intelligent man of the knowledge of the day. He was given a free education through the Egyptian education system. He was familiar with the Egyptian creation myth. He was familiar with what the Babylonians believed, what the Greeks would later believe, the Hindus. Moses, inspired by God, just says it the way it's revealed. In the beginning, God. God is the originator of all things. Now here's the thing, and you could be in this very same place. Knowing that this Bible study leaves the room and goes out on the radio, online, listening in at various times, many just can't get past verse 1 of Genesis. They just can't move on from it. This is the place of mockery and ridicule because this one verse really sets the stage for the rest of the Bible and the rest of your life. If you and I, by faith, can accept, both by faith and by evidence that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then the rest of the Bible, the rest of the challenging places of the Bible, the, the miraculous, the, the overarching, you know, you think of, you know, we spend at least an hour a day on the radio station answering difficult Bible questions. And you think of all the Bible questions that are out there and all the wrestlings with the text and all the combination and all of the things that, that is available to us in wrestling and looking for answers. You see, if you don't believe Genesis 1-1, all of those questions and answers mean absolutely nothing. Because at the end of the day, there are a lot of things that God has reserved for himself. The ways of God, they're not our ways. The thoughts of God, they're not our thoughts. There are many questions in life, especially related to pain and suffering. There are a lot of questions in life, in our lives, just living out lives. You know, theologically related to, well, how does life intersect between the sovereignty and the power of God and the free will of man? And there's just so many things that, that are left unanswered. They require faith. God doesn't give it, spell out every single answer for you and for me. Because then faith would no longer be necessary. We would live on knowledge. But again, what does the Bible say about knowledge? Knowledge puffs up. And it's love that edifies. And faith keeps us tethered to the God who himself is love. A relationship of faith keeps us tethered to the very source of love in our lives. So that we follow through what the Bible says is we keep ourselves in the love of God. And so much is unanswered. 
So many things yet to be understood, things that we'll know even as we're known in the presence of Jesus. But those that are true skeptics and critics, this is the verse they're going to hang on because if they can undermine Genesis 1-1, then the rest of the Bible is not going to make sense. And you can just kind of pick and choose what you want to believe and what you don't want to believe. And a person that trips up on verse 1 of chapter 1 can go no farther in the Bible. It's impossible. They've dismissed the God of the Bible so that now they can dismiss the Bible that was written by God. Everything in the scriptures flows from and through and to this simple truth. And Genesis 1-1 answers the world's question of how everything came to be. It's so important we've learned that it's quoted 160 plus times in the New Testament. And mentioned many other times, raising it to far more than 200 times. So today I just want to look briefly at some of the elements of evolutionary theory and match it to the scriptures, or at least match what the Bible would speak to as it relates to the Big Bang. Now let me just say at the outset, as we continue through these heady types of early verses, I am not a scientist. Uh, my mind doesn't work that way. So this isn't going to be the kind of in-depth Bible study that those of you that might look at, man, I really want to, there's so many more people that go much deeper than I do on much thicker books and volumes and things that, like for example, if you just want some simple but super heady stuff, just go to answersingenesis.org. Um, it will keep you busy until the Lord returns. Um, they're always posting new things, very intelligent men and women that, that tackle these things. And, and Answers in Genesis uh, would be considered young earth creationists. I believe it, really what they'd be considered is Bible literalists, is what we are here as well at Calvary, young earth. Uh, you may hold to a different view, but that's between you and the Lord. We just, man, we, we're going to come back to, we believe that God created the heavens and the earth. But I'll explain uh, as we go through in, in our Bible studies why uh, I fall to a biblical interpretation of a younger earth. But we definitely dismiss, reject, and refute evolution or humanistic evolution. That, that's in no way uh, do we believe in that here and the belief of humanistic, humanism in general, humanistic evolutions become a religion unto itself. I mean, if you look at some of the data between Darwinism, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does in the Bible. Because it just simply doesn't make any sense, and there's nothing to back it up. So there are many problems with the theory, but the root of this particular theory is that it has an absence of creator. And maybe that's the issue in your life. Maybe the root of your issue in life, maybe the root of the problem in your life, maybe you've arrived where you are right now, broken, uh, you know, humbled by circumstances, struggling, wrestling. Perhaps it's just as simple as this. You have eliminated the creator from your life. As simple as that. It's not because you don't know the Bible. It's not because you don't go to church. It's not because you don't pray. It's not because you don't have a Christian name and Christian language. Perhaps the essence is, is in your life, you have eliminated the creator. And you live life like Romans chapter 1. You've created a God in your own image. And it's always, that always starts out well. You know, it always starts out well. Sin is always pleasurable for a season. That starts out well. It just doesn't end well. The, the joy, the happiness, the fun of sin doesn't end well. When you sow to the flesh, you will always reap corruption. And maybe you just need to ask yourself, 
as you're listening to this Bible study, you just have to ask yourself, is the religion of your life humanism? Is it self-centeredness? Is it because you follow what you want and what you do and what you've created? Because without a creator, then there is no dictate for life. The creator knows what's best for his creation. Now think about the Big Bang for a minute and chance, things coming together by chance. And let's ask the question, did everything in creation really come by chance or was there design in creation? Just a few things. For example, the sun. The sun, was it created? Was it designed or did it occur by chance? Well, the sun is 93 million miles from the earth, about 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. If it was any closer, we would all be fried. And if it was any farther, we would all be frozen. Chance or design? Consider the earth. 365 and a third revolutions around the sun each year. Why not just 30 times? Why not just 300 times? Again, it would disrupt the ecosystem and cause man to either burn or freeze. How about the air that we breathe by chance or design? 79 to 20% oxygen to nitrogen gas mixed with a 1% variant provides the perfect atmosphere to breathe. Why not 50-50? Well, that would lead to combustion and it would be a disaster. Now, let me clarify, even as we go forward here, that it's important when I'm using the word science and scientist. Science is a wonderful discipline, and many of you live in this world. It's a wonderful discipline and field of study. And there are many who work in this field, and many wonderful insights have been discovered through this area of study. We need more believers in the realm of science today in our world. We need more and more of you that are gifted in this thinking to get involved in culture with the way that God made you and to be involved from a godly worldview in a very, you know, insert into a very humanistic worldview. Yet there are those that are in the scientific community who openly and blatantly oppose the word of God and all that is spiritual. And it's this humanistic scientific community that the Bible opposes. You know, you kind of put the focus on those that are attacking the Bible, but the reality is, is the Bible attacks these false and opposes these false theories. And I wonder, again, as you're navigating through in the science of stuff, you know, the Bible opposes your resistance to God too. The Bible opposes your pathway of sin and compromise too. We often talk about how you oppose through your decisions and you read and you know and you do. But you know, the reality is, is that the Bible is the standard. You're not the standard. I'm not the standard. The church isn't the standard. Some pastor or priest or pope is not the standard. God in his word is the standard. And we, we live a life that's either in cooperation with God or in opposition to God. So, you know, with the Bible, it's not a scientific book doesn't claim to be. However, when it speaks on the topic, it's 100% accurate and infallible. No true science has ever contradicted the Bible ever. So consider a few of the scientific disciplines over the years and how the Bible speaks truthfully on these topics. For example, geophysics. With geophysics, this is the study of the phys physics properties of the earth. It's only a few hundred years since, it's only been, this is interesting because it's only been a few hundred years since the whole scientific community believed that the earth was flat. 
Well, guess what came back besides clothes from the 80s? The theory that the earth is flat. And with social media, it has gotten quite the bit of, of traction, if you will. But this scientific belief, no, no doubt, and even some would scoff at what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. For many, many years, scientists have proposed that some mysterious physical property, some special force or gas is holding up the earth. But the Bible says in Job 26 verse 7 that he stretches out the north over empty space and God hangs the earth on nothing. Theories are offered, but the Bible opposes them. It's not the other way around. Theories aren't opposing the Bible. The Bible is the standard. Consider hydrology, number two. The study of the water cycle upon the earth. For years, men did not understand the process of the delicate but balanced water system. But you know, in a hundred, or excuse me, in a thousand BC, when Ecclesiastes was written, listen to what it says in verse one, verse, uh, chapter one, verse six. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full to the place from which the rivers come there they return again. How about thirdly, oceanography? Matthew Murray, the father of oceanography, credits the Bible with encouraging him in finding and documenting the currents of the ocean. Psalm 8, verse 8. The birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. How about biology? It was in 1616 that a great, quote, discovery, unquote, was made. William Harvey determined that life was sustained in the bloodstream. 1616, just a few hundred years ago, he declared that life is in the blood. Does that sound familiar? 3,000 years earlier, Moses, writing on behalf of God, said in Leviticus 17, verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it upon the, uh, the altar to make atonement for your soul. So it's not just physical life, but it's also spiritual life. How about Astronomy. The counting and numbering of the stars has captivated men and women throughout the centuries. Throughout the years, Ptolemy, he was able and wrote down that he counted about over 700 stars. Another man cataloged a thousand. Kepler later counted a thousand and five. And just by observation, they say, I'm, obviously I don't know this for a fact, but they say that if you went to every point of the earth and you just counted with the naked eye and you could keep track of it, how, I don't know, but you could keep track of it, you'd probably come up with 4,000. You'd say, yeah, there's 4,000 stars out there. Yet the Bible declared thousands of years ago in Jeremiah 33, 22, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered nor the sand of the sea measured. And I'll multiply the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who ministered to me. So think for a moment living in that day. Think for a moment without a telescope, without technology that's available to us today, as you read that passage in the Bible that the stars are innumerable and you don't have the kind of knowledge. You, you're just sitting there with your own knowledge, your own mind, your own abilities, and you read a passage like this in the scripture, you could easily scoff at it. Say, I, that can't be innumerable. I can count them all. They end there. They start there. And, you know, I'm sure if you could set up a system, you could count the sands of the sea. 
You know, a lot of times that's our, our humanistic reasoning just in our lives. We'll come to the scriptures and we will refuse to believe the Bible. It's as if we're smarter than God. We'll refuse to believe. Yeah, I think of one that's very popular. Perhaps you, you haven't thought of it, but some of you are plagued by it. Many of you will come to the scriptures and you'll read 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. And it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And because of the weight of sin and the weight of condemnation and the weight of shame in your life, you refuse to believe 1 John 1 9. It's right there in black and white. It's right there, even in, a, in some of you, you have experience of, of having received and enjoyed the forgiveness of your sins. But here you are in life, you're overwhelmed by guilt, you're overwhelmed by regret, you're under the weight of emotion, and you, you come to the scriptures, but you have come to the scripture with your own experience, you come to the scripture with your own understanding, and you walk away worse than when you came. This is like looking up, oh look, there's no way that could be innumerable, I can count the stars. And, and then there's no way that God could forgive me because, man, you don't understand what I've done, the places I've been, the things I've said, the thoughts I've thunk. You don't know where I've been, Ed. Pastor, Bible teacher, Christian. The Bible sounds all good for you, but, but I'm a little bit farther along than you. I'm a little bit worse than you. I, I've done more. I think of those listening behind a jail cell tonight paying the price, the consequences for their crime in our culture. And just sitting there wondering, man, am I ever going to amount to anything? Through real repentance and the forgiveness of sin, you can amount to much. God has used many people with great failures. He's restored and rebuilt, given back even years that were wasted. I think of the one listening that is even a little drunk right now or high. And just thinking, there's no way out. There's no way I can be out from under addiction, out from under difficulty. There's just no way. How could God love me? And, and yet, if you confess your sins. I recently had an email from a brother. Perhaps you're even listening right now, brother. And I answered that email yesterday. And just over and over and over again, this would be the illustration. Uh, with the same phone he would be watching service on is the same phone that he's watching pornography on. And he's plagued by it. He's condemned by it, even convicted by the Holy Spirit. And he writes, and respond, he writes me a long email. I respond to the email. Yes, the Lord can forgive. And he writes an email, responds. He goes, do you think God would, what do I need to do? And I literally sent him 1 John 1, 9. This is what you do. You confess your sins. You repent of your sins. You move forward and walk by faith. Yeah, you might have years and years of alcohol, years and years of crime, years and years of lying and gossip, and years and years of pornography and, and dishonesty. Yeah, you have all of that, and it can stop right here through repentance, through brokenness before God. So we're kind of talking scientifically, you know, the astrology and astronomy or astronomy and looking at the stars and not really believing the Bible. But, you know, a lot of life isn't anything like that. Life is about your walk with the Lord. We've been putting humanistic evolution to the test here today on Abounding Grace. 
This is one part of a study in Genesis from Pastor Ed Taylor. To give this a second listen, all you need to do is visit AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can listen through our app. That can be found in the App Store or Google Play by searching for Ed Taylor. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us present the teaching of God's Word on both the radio and Internet. And think of this, you'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's amazing grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'd like to say thanks by sending you a useful resource. It's Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. You'll receive key principles of leadership in both the temporal and spiritual realms. Sanders points to great examples like Moses, Nehemiah, the Apostle Paul, David Livingstone, and Charles Spurgeon. And you'll learn about the cost of leadership, the responsibility of leadership, as well as the qualities and criteria of leadership. Just call 877-30-GRACE to make your request and donation today. You can also order online at calvaryco.store. We'll come back to Genesis 1-1 tomorrow on Abounding Grace. So invite a friend to listen as we set out to answer how everything came to be. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado and online at AboundingGraceRadio.com.